And tonight we're going to look at Jesus Christ, the Bridegroom. Jesus Christ, the Bridegroom. John chapter 3. And verse uh, 25. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. Funny, people want to argue about or discuss John's baptism before Calvary, but they never want to talk about Jesus' baptism before Calvary. John was baptizing and Jesus baptizing, and the disciples of John did not view Jesus' baptism as being the same as John's baptism. Now, that's something somebody ought to look into one of these days. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. That's pretty clear. Uh, in, in secular terms and in biblical terms. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, in righteous terms, we're not talking about ungodly people, wicked people. In righteous terms... When a man stands to be married and receive his bride, he chooses his best friend or best friends to stand with him and stand beside him. Because they love him, they rejoice to see him take his bride. They don't stand plotting how they might take his bride away from him. John the Baptist said, I've got a ministry that I received from heaven. It has allowed me a certain measure of recognition and fame within the nation of Israel. God has given me a certain power and authority over His chosen people, but I have no intention of usurping the place of the bridegroom. I am His friend, and I am happy to stand by His side and to rejoice with Him when He takes His bride. Now, who would that bridegroom be as we read the passage honestly in its context? The bridegroom who has the bride would be Jesus Christ the Lord. And John said, I am a friend of Christ. I am not the Christ. And I am happy for him when he receives his bride. I am not the one to receive the bride. I'm just the friend of the bridegroom. All right, Mark chapter number 2. Let's go to the book of Mark. And the second chapter. Mark chapter 2 and verse number. Oh, let's start at verse 15. It came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
He said, I've got to interact with these people or they'll never hear what I've got to say. I've got to rub shoulders with them and, and communicate with them or they'll never get the gospel. The scribes and the Pharisees, they had no heart for, these, for the people. Now, the difference between Jesus and a lot of what's going on in our, in our modern uh, churches and our so-called outreach efforts nowadays, Jesus never became what the publicans and sinners were He went where they were and sat with them and ate with them and proclaimed the truth to them, but he never conformed himself to their image. When the Apostle Paul said, I become all things to all men, how that verse has been perverted. He he didn't become, he didn't say, he said, as as I became as free to the free and as under law to them that are under the law, but he never said, I became a drunk to reach the drunkard or an adulterer to reach the, the adulteress. And so we don't want to make that mistake. Verse 18, and the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom should be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Okay, so now we have another group of people. These are people who anticipated the coming of Messiah. And in order to to try and keep their hearts close to God or in tune with God, they practiced fasting throughout Old Testament times. And then John's disciples practiced fasting. But it seemed like every time you turn around, Jesus is eating with his disciples. And when these Pharisees would look in, they would see a gathering, and there's the disciples eating, and Jesus eating, and and they said, well, why don't your disciples fast? And he said, because, he didn't say because I'm with them, he said, because the bridegroom is with them. And when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast. So here's this little window of time when the one who is greater than John and the one who was anticipated by the true disciples and the true believers within the nation of Israel, the one they look forward to, here he is. And with him present, it's time to eat and to be merry and to celebrate and to be happy. And the Lord said, but this is just for a little while because I'm going to be taken off the scene soon and then they'll go back to fasting. Now, we mentioned... I don't know, last week, week before, sometime there, that the the Bible never commands fasting. But Jesus said, before I got here, believers fasted. And after I'm taken away, they'll be fasting again. So it's interesting, the Lord didn't command us to do it. He just expected that we would. He just anticipated that we would engage in the practice. But that's not our study for tonight. Notice, the bridegroom is with them. Jesus refers to himself as being the bridegroom. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter 9. Verse number 14. Then come to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn, as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, 
and then shall they fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth upon an old garment, or unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. So here's something interesting. These children of the bride chamber, they are Pharisees or scribes or Israelites or disciples of John. They are people who believe in God. They are people who are anticipating the coming of the Messiah. And now Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, is with them. But he says, they represent the old... I'm establishing something entirely new. You don't put old, uh, new cloth into an old garment. You don't put new wine into old bottles. And I'm not going to take the Old Testament economy and system and, and morph it into the New Testament church. Now, as he says that, he is making clear that these disciples of John and these members of the nation of Israel who are looking forward to the coming of their Messiah, they are not the bride. They are children who run and play and have a good time in the bride chamber. John the Baptist, he described himself as the best man. And he speaks of his followers here. Jesus speaks of, of these uh, disciples of John and, and other Israelites who are, are faithful. He speaks of them as being the ring bearers and the, the little children that serve as ushers and have some part in the marriage, but they are not the bride. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom, but Israel is not his bride. The Old Testament saints are not his bride. He's made that clear. It's uh, stated in other places that we'll look at before through this evening. All right, let's move ahead to Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, verse number 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven, that's the earthly physical kingdom, heaven's a physical place. Uh, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Nobody here is marrying the bridegroom. This is a plurality of virgins who are going out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. And go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, 
and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as. He's talking about the earthly, physical kingdom. Here are some people who were alive when the bridegroom came, but he didn't know them. There is no possible way, taking all of the scriptures that pertain to the subject of salvation, that you could match, I don't know you, with somebody who is saved. Matthew 25 isn't about ten Christians, and five of them let the Holy Spirit run out, and the other five kept themselves full of the Holy Spirit. And so when the rapture happened, the five that had enough Holy Spirit got raptured, and the five that didn't have enough Holy Spirit got left behind. That's how it was taught to me when I was a young Christian. I heard that preaching uh, all kinds of ways. You better, you better keep it, you know, you know, give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning. It's a great song, it's just... It won't work unless you're a Jew in the tribulation. It's not a Christian song at all. How do you go out and buy Holy Spirit? Who's selling the Holy Spirit other than Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland and and those guys? Uh, But anyway, these are people who are in... Look, Jesus said the bridegroom is going to be taken away. Now the bridegroom's coming back, and there are some people on the earth, kingdom of heaven, who were told to anticipate the return of the bridegroom so they could meet him. They haven't met him yet. They're going to meet him when he returns if they have been obedient. Now, I'm not going to meet the Lord in the air if I've been obedient. I'm going to meet the Lord in the air because I'm saved. And he's not going to say to anybody that was ever saved, I know you not. That's what he says, the lost people, I never knew you. So anyway, here's what we have so far. There is a bridegroom. It's Jesus. When he was here, John the Baptist said, I'm his friend. I'm not the bridegroom and I'm not the bride. When he was here, Jesus said, these these Israelites looking for a Messiah who fast and pray and try to keep the law, they are children of the bride chamber, but they're not the bridegroom and they're not the bride. And then Jesus said, the bridegroom is going to be taken away. And Matthew 25 says, the bridegroom is going to come back. And when the bridegroom comes back, there are some virgins, plural, who are ready for his coming and some who are not ready for his coming. Okay, that's what we've got so far. Let's look at uh, Matthew 22. Matthew 22. And verse number 1. Matthew 22, verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a kingdom of heaven. That's the earthly, physical kingdom. Is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. They're not being bidden to get married. They're being bidden to come to the wedding. Everybody everybody see that? 
Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. When the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Okay, let's stop. What do we have? We have people on the earth who are invited to the wedding who have no interest in coming to the wedding. Because the bridegroom isn't going to marry them, he's going to marry somebody else. They've been provoked to jealousy. They resent the bridegroom's choice of a bride, and they say, we're not coming. And so before the bridegroom returns to have his wedding, he sends armies to destroy those people for their unbelief and to wreck their city. Now, if you're a brand new Christian, I'm not not trying to be condescending. What do you have? Jesus Christ is gone. He's the bridegroom. He has left this earth. He is going to come back to get his bride. He's going to purify his bride. And then he and his bride are going to have a wedding. The nation of Israel is not the bride. They are invited to the wedding. They don't want the bridegroom. They sure don't want his bride. They say, no, we're not interested in any of that. We're Jews. And Jesus said, in case you haven't been looking very carefully, so am I. In case you haven't been noticing, I built my church on Jews. Jew first, also the Gentiles. So that's a, that's a bad argument. And, and they say, no, 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 we don't want him. We don't want to come. We're not interested. And so he's going to send armies for seven years to punish the Israelites who weren't excited about his wedding and to to tear down their city, and then he'll come back to this earth. All right, look at Matthew 22, verse number uh, 8. He saith to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Okay, now stop. We use these verses to encourage people to witness. And we say, we ought to go out there into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in. The only problem with that is, you can't compel anybody to get saved. You could drag these people into the wedding, but you can't drag a lost man into Christ. And you can't say, and so they all got saved, the good and the bad. (laughs) Now look, during that tribulation time, you don't have to be a Jew to survive and enter into the kingdom of heaven. If during that seven years you do what God tells you to do, you can survive on the earth and be here when the bridegroom comes back and when this wedding takes place. And that doesn't mean you're saved. 
It means you didn't take the mark. It means you hid out in the, in the woods. It mean you, means you snuck around and got away with stuff. You didn't die. <laughs> and you didn't make yourself an enemy of God so he didn't drop something on you like a fireball or a wormwood comet or any of those other exciting things that are going to happen during the tribulation. So they're alive to enjoy the wedding. Now watch, keep reading. Verse 22, 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. <laughs> there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, there are people all over who don't know that there's a difference between the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, between Israel and the church. And then there's people who attended this church for 10 or 15 years and never believed it. Now, if the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God, and Israel is, in the, is the church, now let me teach this passage like I would have to teach it if the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same. Then the church went out and made people come to Jesus who didn't want to come to Jesus. And the bad and good people were drug into Jesus against their will. But once they went to heaven, the Lord found out some of them didn't love him as much as they should have. And so he threw them out of heaven and into hell. And what a dirty trick to play on somebody who made it to heaven. That's what it says. They got where they got without belief. They got where they got because somebody compelled them to go there. When they got there, they weren't ready, they weren't qualified, they weren't prepared. And so when the bridegroom got back and looked over his wedding party, he said, No, you can't stay, you can't stay, you can't stay. And he threw them into hell. That's what it says. All right, so let's... Talk about the kingdom of heaven, the earthly physical kingdom. Somebody can convince you this is all the judgment of God, and if you don't want to die under these judgments, don't take that mark. And you see everybody taking the mark and dying under those plagues and judgments, and you say, Well, I'm going to give it a shot. And somebody says, hey, if you come out here, I got some stuff out here. You know, I, I watched these movies and I read these left behind books and I started stockpiling this stuff. And if you come on out here, I got this little, and you go out there and you live through the tribulation. And the Lord gets back to set up his kingdom. And there you stand with a towel on your head and a rope tied around it. And it gets to be noontime and you bow down on your prayer rug and face Mecca. And Jesus said, out. What, what, what did I do wrong? What did you do wrong? I'm the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm the only Savior. That bowing down to Mecca stuff is over for good. Get him out of here. Look, it is possible to live through the seven years of great tribulation and not be fit to live in Jesus' earthly kingdom. And that's the only thing that makes sense out of Matthew 22. Anything else, you're going to come up with some weird doctrines about people getting saved who didn't want to get saved and then getting thrown out of heaven once they get there. Everybody happy? We're doing... Doing a, all right, just hang in there. I thought it was about the, it's about the bridegroom. 
the bridegroom gets to pick his bride. And the bridegroom set his wedding date. And the bridegroom set the location for his wedding. And the bridegroom and his father determine who gets to participate in the marriage and in the, in the subsequent activities. Now, didn't, didn't God prepare a, a bride for Adam? Bring her to him. Didn't God prepare a bride for Abraham and put the two of them together? Jacob and Rachel and uh, Asenath for Joseph and, and the story of Ruth and Boaz. Your Bible's all full of these love stories where a woman who had no chance of ever being the one ends up being the one. All these movies and paperback romance books and everything else, they're just the Bible. They're just ripping off the Bible and here's, you know, here's poor Cinderella and, and she's worthless and, and her, her, you know, stepsisters, whatever. They, they've got all the claim and the rights. The stepsisters are Israel. Cinderella is the, is the Gentile with no claim on God. But one day the bridegroom comes through and he sees her real beauty and just falls in love with her. And then he disappears and she's persecuted and persecuted and persecuted. And then the king comes back. And surprise, surprise, guess who his bride is? It's not the USA, it's not the United Nations, it's not white folks, it's not the Jews. It's the born-again believing church that the whole world hated. It's the Bible. All, all the great love stories are the Bible. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it despised outcast remnant with no claim on anything anywhere, the off-scouring of the earth, and one day he's going to come and he's going to put fine linen on us and put a robe on our back and a crown on our head, and everybody's going to say, is that Cinderella? <laughs> I never knew she was so beautiful. Well, the bridegroom did. Amen. And then, of course, there's all the other stories. You know, he's got to come back and slay a dragon and rescue his bride from the... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's all, it's all the Bible. All the Bible. All right, so that's the bridegroom. Let's take a look. We haven't got to the bride yet. Just hang in there. Psalm 19, let's go there. Psalm number 19. Psalm 19. Verse number 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath He set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. When Jesus Christ comes back, a dozen, close to a dozen passages of Scripture compare that to the rising of the sun in the morning after a long, dark night of tribulation. Here's what's interesting. The Bible says the sun coming up in the morning is not the real thing. It's a picture of the real thing. It is as. The real thing is Jesus Christ coming back to be the light of the world. 
The sunrise in the morning is just a little picture of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what the passage said, but it said something else. That sun rising is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Do you believe that Jesus abides by the holy and righteous commandments of God? Has God forbidden fornication? He certainly has. So Jesus Christ would not be, the bridegroom would not be in the chamber unless he's been married. This means that sometime before the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth, the bride has been taken into the bride chamber to become, to be married to the Lamb, and then they return to this earth for the wedding celebration. We're just, we're just sticking with the Bible. Now, Let's go to, there's so many places we need to go. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now here's where, I've got to give you a little heads up here. Here's where some of you are going to have a little bit of trouble. Some people get their doctrine from books about the Bible. And they've read a lot more books than they have Bible. And a lot of, a lot of people in, in our circles have been taught that when a man and a woman engage in physical relationship, that's a marriage. And if you've ever had a physical relationship with someone, you are married to that person which makes Jesus going to a marriage at Cana and Galilee really creepy. Say, why would somebody teach that? Because they've had some marriage troubles and they want to say that you have too. Anyway. I know some of you are saying, where would anybody get that? And some of you are saying, well, how dare you say that's not true? I read it in, I I know, but, but just verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. Everybody got that? She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. She's a virgin, correct? She and Joseph had not had relations. Then Joseph, her husband, Being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Well, I thought of these things. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. She is his wife, and they have not kissed. He is her husband, and they have not lain together carnally. They are husband and wife. Married without a physical union. But I got that? So it is possible for Jesus Christ to be in heaven 
and be a bridegroom and for Jesus Christ to have a bride on this earth, though the two have yet to come in contact with one another. You can be a spouse and be a bride. You can be a spouse and be a bridegroom according to the scriptures. But well, okay, so far. I hope. That was well, what are you saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm showing you what the Bible says. Mary is his wife, and she is a virgin. Joseph is her husband, and they have not come together. It's a it is a commitment before God. It is not flesh. And if you, if you guys, you single guys think marriage is flesh, it's not going to take a year before you find out you got flesh, but your marriage ain't doing so well. That's good preaching. Amen. Well, you know, I'm a Christian and I can't sin, so I got to get married. You better figure out something else. If that's the only reason you're getting married, you better just... Get some help somewhere. This world, this world's messed up, man. And people get saved and they come in church and they're still messed up. That was born of the flesh is flesh. That was born of the spirit. Spirit. If you had a second birth, let's get a, more, a little more spirit in your Bible reading and your approach to life and relationships and everything else. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Let's go to Ephesians. No, no. Second Corinthians eleven. Second Corinthians eleven. Well, John the Baptist is not the bridegroom, and Israel's not the bride. If Jesus is the bridegroom, who's his bride? There's a church is down here, and he's up there, but yeah, I know, I know. Second Corinthians eleven, verse one. Would to God you could bear with me a little of my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, according to the Bible, a chaste virgin has a husband. Everybody see that? What is the bride of Christ supposed to be? Chaste, pure. Holy, undefiled, unspotted by the world, right up until the time the espoused bride is taken into the arms of the bridegroom, till they enter the chamber together. Mary is espoused to Joseph, she's the wife, he's the husband, they have not yet come together as husband and wife are permitted to do. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. The Apostle Paul writing to the church says, I have espoused you to one husband, Jesus Christ, but he's not ready to take you into the bride chamber yet, so stay pure, stay clean, stay spotless, stay holy until that time comes. Well, I don't understand all that. Well, it's pretty simple. The friends of the bridegroom stand beside him. 
the bride chamber is, is filled with witnesses. The bridegroom watches the bride walk down the aisle. They've promised before God to do things that, that hopefully they intend to do. And then the minister says, every biblical minister of every stripe and variety says, I now pronounce you man and wife. And they walk out of that auditorium, husband and wife. And then there's a meal, and then there's a reception, and then there's an airplane ride, and then there's a check-in at the hotel, and then there's, you know, a, a dinner and all that. And, and they register at the hotel as Mr. and Mrs. And nothing physical is going on. Thank God. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the bridegroom, and he has a bride. And it's okay that the two of them have not yet entered the bride chamber. You're committed. You're vowed up. You've pledged and promised. You've given your heart, soul, strength, and mind to one man, Jesus Christ. You're supposed to be chaste and pure and wholeheartedly devoted to Him. In anticipation of the day when you enjoy the fullness of that relationship. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. You know why it's hard to teach the Bible to Americans? Everything that's supposed to be right about a society is no longer, no longer exists in our society. You try to teach a generation of Americans about purity before marriage... And, and complete devotion to the marriage partner afterwards? You're speaking a foreign language. You speak about God the Father and His faithfulness to His children? You're speaking a foreign language. Marriage and the home and the family is so, so far gone in our society that what ought to be plain and easily understood by people is confusing to them. What do you mean she's pure? What's, what does chaste mean? They never even heard the word. Virgin? What's that? Oh, yeah, that's an airline. I'm telling you. So it's really hard to teach the Bible to people that don't have the foundation. Your forefathers lived biblically before they knew what the Bible said. Now our churches are full of people who knows what the, know what the Bible says and don't think it's right. We're, we're in a tough spot. All right, Ephesians 5, verse 21. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands if you think they're smart enough and spiritual enough and intelligent enough and, and uh, you can get what you want by doing that. Well, I just added all that stuff. It's... Uh, now let me read it to you without years of <laughs> let me read it to you without years of pastoral counseling. 
Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. That's just what God said. A lot of women nowadays think God's stupid. They think God's a liar. They think God's way is wrong. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband used to be the head of the wife until we had Charlie Darwin and Oprah and Enlightenment and Rosie the Riveter. And But God said, for the husband is the head of the wife. You can go ahead and be shocked. There's three of us left in the world that still believe what the Bible says. Even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands, not some other woman's husband on the job, in everything. So why would you say that? Because, well, I just don't believe in this submitting to a man. Yes, you do. A man tells you what time to show up for work, and you do it. And a man tells you what you're going to do while you're on the job, and you do it. And a man tells you when you can leave work, and you do it. And then you go home and tell your husband, no man's going to tell me what to do. For money, he can. Right. <laughs> Just. But anyway, it's well, the single guys eat this up. The married guys are praying we'll get move on here. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Well, my husband is... Yeah, I know. He stinks and he's rude and he's not what you thought he was going to be. And he's different now that you're married than he was when you're dating. We know all that. But you knew the verses. I read you the verses in my office. And you smiled and nodded your head and said, yeah, I'm good with that. I don't care if you had your fingers crossed. It's still in the Bible. Husbands, love your wives. Not, not the wife of some Hollywood actor. Love your wives. Not the wife of some guy who works down at the modeling agency. Love your wives. Well, if I was married to her, my life should be different. No, you, you'd make the same mess with her you did with yours. Maybe it's not her. Maybe it's you. <laughs> not fun now, is it? Husbands, love your wives. Your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Gentlemen, give your wife a bath. <laughs> Look, well, here's what he's saying. If she's supposed to be chaste and pure and holy, you're supposed to make it easy for her to be chaste and pure and holy. Keep her clean. Keep her pure. Keep her out of the world. Keep her eyes and heart and mind out of Hollywood. Don't drag that stuff in your house and then get upset and she's watching it while you're at work and being influenced by it. See, these guys, here's what, they, here's what they do. These guys, they get all on fire for God, and they, they get rid of the TV, and they get rid of the secular music, and then they don't go to the movies, they're out street preaching, and all that stuff. And then they get married, 
and they drop street preaching, and they drop visitation, and they drop prayer meeting, and then the secular music comes back in, and then the TV comes back in, and then the movies come back in, and then two years later they're wondering why their wife's acting like Hollywood. Because you didn't keep her clean. But this is about the bridegroom. It's, it, it is. We're just we're trying to get through this. That he might present it to himself... A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Why'd you spend all that money on that? Says the man with massive credit card debts from spending all his money on that. (laughs) How come you can get what you want, she can't get what she wants? I need a new battery, Todd. Just the... They can't hear me anymore. (laughs) For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and should be cleaved cleaved unto his husband. Did he read that right? No, I didn't read it right. I did that on purpose so you would know that, well, Jesus never said it. Yes, he did. He said plenty about it. He said a man should be joined unto his wife, not his husband. That's not, God didn't set that thing up. And should be joined unto his wife, and they too should be one flesh. Now, they're coming out with these gender-neutral Bibles. There's a gender-neutral NIV and a gender-neutral something else. So... For this cause shall a blank leave his blank and his blank and shall be joined unto his blank and they too shall be one. Come on, you, how do you make that gender neutral? For this cause shall a man leave his father or mother and father or mother and shall be joined unto his wife or husband. Gender neutral Bibles put out by perverts for perverts. Anyway, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So if we've been talking about husbands and wives, but husbands and wives are just representative of Christ and the church, if Christ is the bridegroom, who is the bride? It's the church. If Christ is the husband, who is the wife? It's the church. All right, let's go to Psalm 45. Psalm 45. Right now the bridegroom's absent. But the church is espoused. And you can be a wife and be espoused as Mary was. And you can be a husband and be espoused as Joseph was. And so when the Lord speaks of husbands and wives, He speaks of Christ and the, and the church. Psalm 45. Bible says in verse number 7, Thou lovest righteousness, hatest, hatest wickedness, therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. 
Now here's the Lord, not in shame and suffering, but myrrh and aloes and cassia and, and gladness. Why? His bride is at his side. What's she wearing? The gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty. For he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. The daughter of Tyre should be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She should be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, remember reading about them? Her companions that follow her should be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy father should be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. Okay, one, one more. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. We've made our way all the way to the end of the Great Tribulation. Verse number 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Now watch. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. All right, let's put all that together and see what we have. John the Baptist says... Jesus is the bridegroom. I am the friend of the bridegroom. And these Israelites who are disciples, they are children of the, of the bride chamber. They're not the bride. I'm not the bride. I, I'm not the groom. Jesus is the bridegroom. John the Baptist, the best man, if you will. And the Israelite disciples, they're, they're sort of... The, so, Jesus Christ chooses a bride. How could a fallen race of Jews and Gentiles be a chaste virgin bride? It must be, it must be that when he pronounces his espousals toward them, that he is able to cleanse and purify them and make them so brand new. Give them a new birth so that they stand before Him as undefiled virgins. That's how completely the sins of our life are washed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are made pure in His sight. During this time of espousals, He is gone. He is absent. And we keep ourselves pure and keep ourselves clean in anticipation of the day that He will take us into the bride chamber. While we are in the bride chamber, Psalm 45, 
being purified, being clothed, being made beautiful and glorious. What's happening down here on this earth? People are being invited to participate in the marriage feast. The wedding will be held in the main auditorium. The supper will be held in the fellowship hall. The main auditorium is heaven. The fellowship hall is earth. And when the wedding vows are spoken and the wedding ceremony takes place, they adjourn from heaven down to the earth for the marriage supper of the Lamb. There are some people who are there. They didn't really want to be there. They were compelled to be there. It was, it was be there or die. That's some invitation. But when the Lord gets back, He sees there are some people who are there that are not fit participants. They don't belong at His marriage supper. They have no love for Him. They have no love for His bride. And He throws them out. For 1,000 years, the Lord celebrates His marriage to His church on this earth. It's the marriage of the Lamb but when the marriage supper takes place, the Lamb is the king in His palace. That's on earth. Now, at the end of that thousand-year celebration, after the supper's over, Jesus says to His bride, You know, I've been waiting. i got a little something for you. I think you're going to like it. The Bible says in Revelation 21, Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Jesus says to his bride, I got you a new house, honey. I think you're going to like it. Close your eyes. And while our eyes are closed, the former heavens and the earth have been passed away. And all the wicked cast in the lake of fire. And with a word out of his mouth, he makes a new heaven and a new earth. And then coming down from God out of that new heaven is the holy city, New Jerusalem. And as that thing comes down, Jesus says, okay, you can open your eyes now. And you talk about a diamond. That thing is four square sitting on its, on its points because the, 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 the headstone is a cornerstone. And the bride moves into that city where the Lamb is the light. you got no need of the sun, the moon, or the stars, the pearl gates, and the jasper walls, and all that. And so the bride moves in. Look what the Bible says in verse number 9. There come unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talk with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit great mountain, and showed me that great city, New Jerusalem, descending out of heaven, from God. You know what he's going to do? After all the shame and the martyrdom and the torture and the mockery and the humility and all the things we sacrificed and gave up to live for Jesus, 
He's going to make it worth your while. And for all eternity, those, those races of men and angels and beings and creatures and who knows what, they're going to look at that new Jerusalem and say, that bridegroom sure knows how to take care of his bride. What helps me in learning about the bridegroom is it makes me far less reluctant to give up some of my money for Jesus. Give up some of my time for Jesus. And take a little ridicule and mockery from this world for Jesus. When you consider what he's going to give you, because he loves you, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that she shall be revealed in us. Luke 14, Luke chapter 14, let's cover all this tonight. Luke 14. Verse 16. No, 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 15. When one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. That's not kingdom of heaven, that's spiritual kingdom. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. That's a pretty lame excuse. I would advise you to go see a piece of ground before you buy it. If you've already bought it, no point standing there looking at it. It's, it's... Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to prove them. I don't know that I'd buy a tractor without seeing if it ran. That's an excuse. It's not a reason. He would have, he would have proven his oxen, those oxen before he bought them. I pray they have an excuse. Another said, I have married a wife. And therefore, I cannot come. No explanation needed. He just said, she won't let me. He didn't say, pray they have me excused. He just figured the guy would understand. <laughs> so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled." And I say unto you, none of these, those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper, period. Now, this is really interesting. What happens in the kingdom of heaven passage? Those that wouldn't come are cast into outer darkness. What happens in the kingdom of God passage? Those that cared more about their land and their income and their family relationships. They're not thrown into outer darkness. They just lose 
the enjoyment of the marriage supper. He didn't say bind them hand and foot and throw them out. He just said, well, if there's any leftovers, they can have it after we're done eating here. If you're in the kingdom of God, you don't lose your soul. You lose your rewards. If you're in the kingdom of heaven, you can lose your soul. Whoever wrote the Bible knew what they were doing. They, did, they, they, didn't, they didn't mix it up one time. They, they kept it straight, kept it right all the way through. All right, last stop, Isaiah. Isaiah. Chapter 54. God the Father also has a wife. Isaiah 54, verse 5, For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. The book of Hosea tells this tale. God the Father took the nation of Israel to be his wife. They were unfaithful. They played the harlot. So he wrote them a bill of divorcement and put them away. But he never allowed them to marry another. And he never took another bride. And so, at at the end of of their tribulation experience, what the Lord says, because the law allows... If you put away your wife, but she was never joined to another man, she never married another man, you can take her back. And Hosea teaches, and Isaiah says, at the end of that tribulation time, God the Father will take Israel back, and and she'll once again be his wife. Now, why is that important? Roman Catholics, Protestants, Calvinists, uh, Baptists, just about everybody, they can't keep that Jew and the church separate. Israel is not God's second, uh, the church is not God's second wife. God the Father has one wife, the nation of Israel. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. There's a trinity, there's two brides, uh, Israel the church, and again, you don't mix those two up. So, all right, so Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. We could have spent more time in Ephesians 5 talking about how he loves the church and, and, um, and he does and how he gave himself for it and he did and how he sanctifies us and cleanses us and, and we're, we're so glad for all that. But we wanted to get all this, the doctrinal understanding of what it means for Jesus Christ to be the bridegroom and what a day that'll be. He takes us unto himself and come back here and enjoy that celebration, and then, wow, what a place to live forever. How about that? All right, Father, thank you for the word.